So welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm Izzy. Let's get rolling. Honesty hour. I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. My name is Izzy. I'm your host today. And as always, I'm super excited to talk about my guest today. Her name is Deja Young. She is just 24 years old. She's an Olympic gold medalist two times and has had quite a bit of life um, that has passed her. And um, a life that honestly seems like is being fulfilled every day and i'm really excited to get to talking with her story and we're going to be covering topics such as uh, obviously her track and field gold medals we're going to talk about mental health we're going to talk about college we're going to talk about a ton of different things so uh, without further to do uh, thank you for jumping on deja hi thank you so much for having me i'm really excited just to talk about my experiences and just kind of share a piece of me with you guys so that you can take a piece of me with you after listening i am very very excited to have you on as i've told you like eight thousand times already but i'm just gonna throw throw us right into conversation because i read an article uh i believe it was on uh, usa track and fields website um it was written about a year ago on november 3rd yeah, uh, almost a year ago, November 13, 2019. And you said, I want to make a difference. Uh, and that's what I want to do most in 2020. So if you if we're reflecting back in 2020, and knowing that COVID has put a big hamper on that, I wanted to ask you just point blank, do you feel like you've made a difference so far this year? Oh, man, that's a really hard question, because 2020 <laughs> has thrown me completely off track of all plans. But I like that 2020 did throw me off track with my plans because it's taken me a whole different route and it's shown me so many different things. I feel like yes and no, 2020 is not over yet. We still have like three months left, but I feel like, yes, I have made somewhat of a difference. And I've, by sharing my experiences and being very open and transparent about how COVID has affected me because I contracted it and how the change and not being able to train and not having access to things that I need to get ready for 2021 for the games and the cancellation of games that completely gave me a 180 and I've been able to like adapt and share my experiences with others and tell them like, Hey, you're not alone in this, in this, it, we're all going through the same struggle and we all, have this, we all have the same goal. And so being able to share my experiences with that, and especially with COVID that, that was a huge one because there's a lot of people out there who, don't really know anyone personally who's had it and they don't or people who do have and don't know anyone else who's had it and they don't know if what they're going through is normal or if it's right or anything so it's like okay no like I'm gonna share my experience be very open and transparent with everyone because why not life is too short to not be transparent I love that I really do and I think just 
hearing your story and reading a bit about it, it's, I feel like you've had uh, a very tenacious attitude towards life every day. So do you want to give, uh, for those who don't know who you are, and for those who are kind of, um, who don't know who you are and don't know your story, do you want to give people a little background as to who you are, what you do, and why you do it? Yeah. So, um, again, my name is Deja, and I was injured at birth. Yes, it starts at birth. So, I was injured at birth. My, I weighed about, I was an eight-pound baby, and my mom was very tiny, and I got stuck on her pelvic bone. And the doctor panicked because uh, on top of me being stuck, I had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. And so, the doctor pulled too hard into all the nerves and muscles from my spine and from my on my right shoulder. And so the muscles that were torn away from my spine, they don't send signals like they were supposed to. But I didn't find that out until six months later. Um, the doctor did not tell my parents what had happened and that oh, he wow. had injured their baby. So as I am developing and getting older, my parents realized that something is wrong. So at six months, my parents took me back to the doctor and I was diagnosed with brachial plexus. And basically brachial plexus is just the tearing of the muscles and nerves in your shoulder and again like those muscles and those nerves can't send signals to your spine to have the right mobility and have severe nerve damage but I was able to get surgery I had three surgeries for three surgeries before the age of six I had a muscle transplant I had a nerve transplant and I had a plastic surgery and then after that the doctors who performed my surgeries for me would just told my parents hey let her be a kid um, her rehab can be sports and just let her play and just let her develop as she goes. And that's what I did. My parents put me in sports immediately as soon as I could. And I played sports my entire life. I was never a track and field athlete. I thought anybody who wanted to run for fun was an insane person. So I was like, ill, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I was, I was born and raised in Texas. So I was a softball and volleyball girl. Um, and then I realized that I wanted to go to school to be an athlete, and I was like, okay, I live in Texas, but let's weigh out my options right now before it's too late. And I was about a freshman in high school, and I started weighing out my options, and I was like, okay, the chances of me getting a full-ride scholarship for softball is kind of slim. So, okay, I'm putting that out there. Just I don't want to do that. And then I was like, okay, volleyball, I'm 5'6". The shortest person on the University of Texas's volleyball team is – uh, five nine. I was like, hey, yeah, <laughs> that's not gonna happen. <laughs> so and I was like, hey, I ran track in middle school, and I was like, I was pretty good at it. So let me give it a try, and I gave it a try, and I was really good at it. I made varsity my freshman year for the track team, and I was a very good person to be on varsity. And they were like, hey, cool. Like, is this what you want to do? And I was like, oh, sure. I really, I didn't buy in. <laughs> I didn't really buy into track and field until about my junior year of high school. And that's when I was like, okay, I want to get recruited for this. I got turned away by a lot of universities. I was told if we can't fix your arm or you can't have the right form, I don't want it. So when I run, my arm crosses my body. But, yeah, it, it's never really stopped me. So right. my last – yes. Oh, oh, it, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. I Really quick to interject, you said – so all of a sudden, at this point where we stopped, you are now the person that you said was crazy. You're you're doing yeah. you're running yeah. for fun. Yeah. <laughs> Just I wanted turned, to point turned, that out. Yes, I turned into a crazy person. I was a hypocrite. I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually so much fun. The work workouts are hard, but I'm enjoying them. And I was like, wow, maybe I am 
a little crazy. I, I am crazy, and I'm okay with that. I've accepted it. It's the first step to my recovery, but I like being crazy, so I don't want to recover from being crazy. But I went to my last college visit, and I was like, if this doesn't work, I'm going to go to the military because I just kind of think smarter, not harder. And I was like, if I go to the military, I technically have a disability. I'm not going to be first line, but I'm good there. And so I went to Wichita State, and the coaches were amazing, absolutely amazing. I have never felt so welcomed by anybody ever. And I, I always feel really embarrassed about disclosing people about my injury because I'm like, okay, so I have this thing, and it's kind of restricting. But I, but these are my times, and I still run really fast with, with my arm. So please take me. And he was like, I really don't care about your arm. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean you don't care about my arm? And he was like, what leg of the relay would you want to run on? And I was like, oh what and I told him what leg I wanted to run on and I signed with Wichita State in my prom dress my senior year of high school oh wow and that same relay that he was talking about we ended up becoming second team all-americans in the NCAA so it was just it was absolutely amazing and that's just a little bit who I am I'm now a professional athlete if you would have told me this five years ago and been like hey you're gonna be a professional athlete running for team USA I would have just looked at you and just been like now you are the definition of crazy, <laughs> but um, now it's it's been a whirlwind. I started with the Paralympics in 2015, and it's been a whirl- a whirlwind. Like that's an understatement from like from here. Like it's been absolutely insane, but it's been such a fun fun journey. So you're being recruited in high school. Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, think, or yeah, in in your wildest dreams, did you think? Wow, I'm gonna be able to see the world. I mean, just looking at some of these see these uh, these competitions you've taken part in around the world. Did you ever think that you would be doing it, or did you like? I know you said you thought it you thought it'd be crazy, but like even in your wildest dreams, did you uh, think you would be doing this? No, absolutely wow. not. I um. That's awesome. I I didn't even have a passport until like the end of my freshman year <laughs> and I was going to school for pre-med I was like I'm going to go to school for as long as I can and get the degrees that I can and then I'll figure it out from there because I didn't think athletics was going to be anything for me after my four years were up at my university yeah wow that's crazy so a couple things Wichita State mm-hmm. um I uh not to brag but my um I think it was my sophomore year of high school. This guy from Rockford, Illinois, decided to. I'm originally from the Chicagoland area. Uh, decided to show up at the court that everybody usually played at in my hometown, and started just playing basketball with everybody. And he was just astonishing. And I'm looking at this dude. I'm like, what the heck? Um, that was over the summer, and then the winter hit. Um, we're in super sectionals. I'm sitting in the stands because I am not good. Um, and I am staring at this dude just absolutely tearing up our basketball team in super sectionals. And his name is Fred Van Fleet. And I am, I'm sitting back and I'm hearing your story and I'm hearing Fred's. I now know Fred's story as someone who is small, that was constantly overlooked, had all the game like you had all the numbers is, is that something not without knowing the rest of Wichita State's athletic program, is that something that 
is common throughout that athletic department? Is it is is it really the the kind of a misfit story in a sense? Absolutely. So I not to brag, like I love my alumni. Like I'm gonna forever bleed black and yellow. Um, they take chances. They did it with everyone. For example, Ron Baker. He yep. was a very great example from Wichita State, and there were there's so many different athletes. Um, there's also a, a distance athlete, and she is absolutely amazing. She's killing it. <laughs> and it's just like they take chances on athletes. They say, okay, these are your numbers. Cool. We're going to take a chance on you. They do that with every – that's their recruiting line. And it's not – it's great. It's a great slogan because, it, you know, obviously it's going to get recru- like recruits they want to, like, sign there. But they're going to take a chance on you, and they're going to be patient, and they're going to build with you. 100%. At the end of the day, that's what they want to do, and they want to make sure that the program is – top tier they don't just choose anyone per se but if they can see if they see that you want it and as bad as they want it then absolutely they're going to want to push you to be better going back to the time or your recruitment process and you had these coaches telling you if i can't fix your shoulder something that Mm -hmm. has been had been uh bothering you and been with you your entire life if if I can't ch- fix your shoulder, I don't want you. What's going through your head mentally? Mentally, at the time, I was thinking, like, I was like, okay, honestly, if you can't fix it, I was thinking this. And I even told my mom this. I was like, technically, it's already fixed. You want to get technical? I didn't have three surgeries for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, through my head, I was thinking, like, I always, like, I, I was prepared for it because I've been bullied. I've, I've had coaches tell me, like, why would you want to go to school for to be a D1 athlete because you'll never be a D1 athlete with that arm. It's not going to get you anywhere. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I've been told no a lot. Yeah. I, I still get told no a lot. And it was something, as a teenager, though, an angsty 18-year-old, I was, I was hurt. I was upset. I felt like, wow, like, this is literally not even in my control. I don't think people realize that. Like, this isn't something, like, even if it is something that I did, why do I feel like I'm being punished for it? I felt like I was being punished. And it's like, wow. I can't help my circumstances. Even if it's something that, and it was a life lesson for sure. It's like, no matter what you do and no matter how it's done, good or bad, people are still going to judge you no matter what. You could have donated a million dollars to one of the, to a fun, to a fundraiser and you, someone will still find the bad to say something or to do something. And that's how I thought about my arm. That's my life lesson. It was just like, no matter what I do, I'm still running the correct times. I'm still getting good grades in school. My transcripts are good. My SAT scores were good, but still it wasn't good enough. And I was like, that's okay. So when I signed with Wichita State, I was like, yeah, I am good enough. It's okay that some people might not think I am, but I am good enough. And the best thing ever was running at NCAAs and seeing that coach that told me that she couldn't fix my arm and beating out her team and becoming All-Americans. And I was like, yeah. That's awesome. See? I love those yeah. moments. That's great. <laughs> I love those moments. So um, what events did you take part in uh, in college? And then has that kind of transferred over to uh, your professional career? Uh, so in college, I did the 100, 200, uh, 4 by one and 4 by 4 um, And it, did, it definitely translated over. I still do the 1 and 2 and the occasional 400. And I do participate in a four by one as well, but I do the exact same events. I was just like, I'm going to stick to my bread and butter. And those are the short plans. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, 
a lot of people that do that are regulars on this podcast know I actually ran track in college as well. Uh, I ran okay. two years. Um, I was not. You can easily beat me in any race ever. Um, I was uh, it. The program started at and I I went to an NAI school. Okay, uh, the program started and they needed people. Um, I was semi-athletic and I was like, you know what? I'll just walk on whatever, uh, mm-hmm. keep myself in shape. Uh, ended up running the first, uh, the first race ever. So technically, I was a record holder at Cardinal Stritch University for about ten minutes until the next, uh, the next leg went up for the sixty meter, sixty meter indoor dash. So. Um, I held a record for that little bit, but there's a track taught me something different. And in high school, I I played baseball, I played football and never ran track and track has like, you literally mentally have to be strong. And I ended up, uh, (laughs) I ended up instead of running, I ended up throwing javelin and that was a a completely, I had never thrown javelin before. And it's just failure after failure after failure. And then once like, I remember the moment I I placed in third place and I thought I was on top of the world. Nice. And yeah. there's just there's something about track that just really you you have to be mentally strong. So how how do you approach athletics both I mean if you look at it back for, in, collegiately and then professionally from a mental standpoint. Oh, that's a good one. Um I they say it's 90% mental and 10% and 10% physical. My coach just said, I just had a meeting with him. He was like, it's 110% mental. Let's all be yeah. honest. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> mentally, I think, and I, I just like to go for it. I will go, I'll, I go for it no matter what. I mean, if I feel like it's like, hey, you know what? I have to go for this workout. It's really hard. And I, whatever, if I fail, I fail. But if that means I have room to grow. And I think that's my mentality with a lot of things. Even in college, I would just go for it. I wouldn't hold back because why would I hold back when I've already been through so much? It's like, no, now is your time. It's now or never. I don't want to look back after I'm retired and be like, wow, I wish I would have did that 10 times harder so that I could have got there. And it's just like, no. So that's kind of my mentality. Like mentally, I just have to continue to remind myself, like, it's okay to fail. It's okay to not be the best. But as long as I can go to bed feeling like I accomplished everything that I wanted to do and I gave it my all, I can go to sleep peacefully at night, knowing that I didn't fail myself because I gave it everything that I could. And then I look back and like, okay, I could do do this better. And then I'll work on that. But at this point, like now in my career, I'm considered a veteran. I'm old now. Um, (laughs) I... I just look at it as it's a journey and it's a process and we have to be resilient. We have to get back up when we fell. We have to get back up when we're not feeling good. We have to get up when we don't want to. And it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I want it so bad. One of my favorite speeches is, is if I, I'm prepared to die for it. If you're not prepared to die for it or prepared to sacrifice everything for it, then what are you doing it for? And that's just like how I go about things because it's like, I'm 24 years old. I'm traveling the world. I'm still being able to do the thing that I love and get paid to do it. So why not just go all out? Why not just do it? Like, I don't get to go home for Thanksgiving. I don't get to go home and see my boyfriend or my parents. 
and I don't, I, most people will be really sad about that. Like I, if I was in college, I'd be sad about it. But now mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that's fine. I'm okay with that. And some people might be like, you're a sociopath, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I have a goal and I'm going to get that goal. And I don't care what I have to sacrifice to do it. And in college, I didn't have that mentality. That's why I thought like, that's why I never thought about being a professional athlete. It was like, I did, I had the mentality of I'm going to work hard in this moment. And then that's it. Like, I don't really care about the outcome. Or not even that I didn't care. I don't really, if the outcome is this, it's okay. Now, now as a, like, a professional, like, if the outcome is this, oh, no. That's not okay. Yeah. I'm going to work 10 times harder to get the outcome that I want and that I believe that I deserve. How, I know it, sound, it sounds like it, it's taken some years to really nail that into your brain. Yes. But... <laughs> Like you said, it's okay to fail. It's okay to not be the best. But we're yeah. trained at such a young age to make sure you get straight A's. And we're trained yeah. for such at such a young age to make sure that we don't fail. So how how hard was that adjustment for you? And I mean, I, I'm sure for you as an, at an athletic level and then from more of a uh, even a student athlete level. Um, so surprise, surprise, uh, I was perfectionist for a really long time, especially with kids. Like I was a perfectionist. Everything had to be perfect. I had to be perfect. And then I got to high school and I was like, oh, this is really hard. (laughs) I am not perfect. (laughs) And then I got to college and I was like, okay, cool. I'm not perfect, but that's okay. Because now I'm starting to figure out who I am as an adult and, College is like one of those things where you find yourself. Like that's not just a cliche thing. Like you literally find yourself in college. And I lost myself completely in college. I lost myself completely. I had a suicide attempt. I wanted, I had a car accident to where I almost dropped out because I had to finish my semester at home. I had to do a lot of soul searching. And finally, finally, my first semester of my senior year, I figured it out. Completely figured it out. And it was. What did, what did figuring out look like? Figuring out was like a lot of crying and a lot of ice cream, and my best friend telling me it's okay. But um, <laughs> it just looked like failing. I felt like I was failing everything. I changed my major because I got weeded out of OCHEM. I had to get my GPA back up. I had to catch back up in classes. I had to make sure I was doing everything I could, but I still felt like I was failing. I was like, okay. Mm. This feels like a this, this is like a mean joke now at this point. I'm waiting for somebody to be like, you're being pumped by God at this point, or somebody's being pumped. And I'm like, I need someone to help me figure it out. And I realized like all those failures filled up to the person that I was the start of my senior year, first semester. And I was more confident. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. And I went for it. And I got straight A's that semester and was, was covered my GPA. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I do have this figured out. But I still had my bumps in the road, and it just, things were hard. I struggled. And then my second semester hit, and then I struggled with an eating disorder. And I was like, okay, this is this is really old that I'm having to figure these things out. And then I got hurt after that. And then I was just like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, I flew off. And finally, I made the decision to leave my university and just go pro. And that was just a jump. Because not only was I about to go pro, I was about to go pro with a torn quad. Oh, wow. How is that supposed to work? So I went and competed at our national championships. I placed 
and I made the national team. So I was like, okay, cool. And it's a dead year. So I was like, I'm going to use this dead year to like get my, get, get it together. And I got it together. I ended up shaving my head. I had a Britney Spears moment and <laughs> that was the most freeing moment ever. And I was like, nice. I, like, I feel free again. I feel okay. And things got better. I started realizing like my health is so much more important. My mental health is important. And I just focused on me. You can't look around your friends and everybody else around you like, oh, well, they're doing this and they're successful and they're over here. They have this and they're getting paid this. It's like, no, look at you. I woke up every morning thinking like, mm, I'm not happy with where I'm at. And so I had to change that. And I did. And my mentality changed. So I started just going for it. And I was like, if I fall, I fall. I've fallen 10 times harder before. So if I fall this one time, I, I will be okay. And so I started just back going forward and just, not really caring if I failed or what other people thought about me. And I had the best 2019 season I have ever had, ever. And I got to do amazing things. I got to go to Africa. I went to Italy. I competed the best I've ever competed, ever. I broke a world record in a prelim. And I was just like, man, I feel like I'm on top of the world. Huh. And then 2020 hit, and I was like, oh. 2020 had other plans for us. <laughs> and for now, I'm, yes, for everyone, <laughs> not just me, everyone. And so now I finally feel like I'm bouncing back. It may have taken seven months, but who's counting? Um, but I'm, it's about bouncing back and knowing that this is the model that I go by and I tell everyone this. You're the only person that can tell, that you're the only no that matters. So if you tell yourself no, then it's, it's over with done like yeah i get even as a professional athlete i get told no by a lot of people and you would think like oh people should be telling me yes no i get told no a lot and it drives me insane but once i tell myself no it's not gonna get done once i say no done because you're you're your biggest competitor you're your biggest critic you're your biggest supporter and so that's that's kind of how i kind of got the mentality i have now i love that what Mental health is such a hot topic and you, you, I mean, you said it, you, you dealt with a suicide attempt, a severe car accident, injuries, changes to your, to your degree, to your major, you dealt with it, right? And what were you doing when it came time for you, when you finally said, okay, I'm going to go pro and I'm going to get my, my life in order here from your mental health. Were you doing yoga? Were you seeing someone? Um, I mean, if you don't want to disclose, it's completely oh, fine. No, it's but okay. uh, like it, like we're, I'm just trying to show the fact that this, everyone does stuff differently and handles right. things differently. Yes. And what my girlfriend may need just a, like a walk for I might need a tub of ice cream and some cake but Absolutely. So everybody else is different so like yeah. how did you like for your mental health what what helps you reset really so at first I was doing um I was journaling I was going for walks I was doing yoga I was meditating and I was like okay this is fun I'm getting flexible but this is not working and then finally a few months later I was like therapist I need to get therapy <laughs> I found a therapist. I have great resources around me, and I got a therapist. And I think everyone should go to therapy, even even if you can only afford it once a month. Cool. She's like your like the, that person. He or she can be your diary. 
for that month. Get everything out, attack everything that you're dealing with, and then work on yep. it for that month. There, like, I thought everyone needed therapy. Like everyone, I'm like, please go to therapy. You may not feel like you need it, but when you go and start talking about how you really feel subconsciously, you can tackle a lot of the issues that you having or that you're having in everyday life. So therapy has been like my number one go-to. Still, even though I sound like I'm mentally tough, there are days where I'm just like, nope. I wake up yep. and I'm literally like, no, absolutely not. I don't want to do this right now. I don't want to do this today. I don't want to do today. And then I think about what my therapist tells me. It's okay to have bad days. It's okay. Yep. It's okay. And so therapy has helped me so much with coping skills and I'm not, I don't speak out very often. I may sound like I'm a very talkative person and outgoing. No, I will sit and suffer in silence before I ask anyone for help. So therapy was a very big step for me because Same. I don't like asking for help. I don't want to look weak. Oh my gosh, I'm an athlete. I'm supposed to be tough and strong. No, I hate that stereotype. We are people too. Athletes are yep. people too. Students, you are people too. You're not just a student. You're not just in college. You're not just your GPA. No, you are a person and you're allowed to feel things and it's okay to feel those things, but reach out. No one's going to judge you. And if they do, maybe they're not meant to be in your life. And that's okay exactly. too. I lost a lot of friends. I lost so many friends. Actually, okay. let's hit on that. Let's hit on that because I, there's, that's something that's a hot topic right now, um, mm -hmm. especially with what's going on in the world. Um, so how, how did you identify those those people that were just constant or wow what word was I using there uh, <laughs> constant uh, constant like negative um, people in your life or constant just Debbie Downers I guess that's still negative um, who how did you identify that and how hard was it for you to say you know what maybe maybe the right thing to do is to kind of just weed you out. Um, so there's a couple things that like helped me identify those people. Um, one, social media is a telltale sign. What they tell you is true. I didn't believe it for the longest. Whatever you post on social media and the things that you say, the things that you retweet, the things that you like, the things that you Snapchat, the things that you post on Instagram, all of that, Facebook, everything. It is, everyone can see it. Everyone. And I was seeing things, especially with things that, things that are going on in the world right now and in America per se, um, I realized, I was like, wow, a lot of these people were not my friend. And that, that hurt. It hurt a lot. And then, especially when I became, when I started becoming a rising, I don't want to say rising star. That sounds so, I don't know. Ew. Yeah. When I became a rising athlete, um, it, I started to realize that there were certain people who would text me during certain times to only be a part of like that entourage. I want to say airflow entourage. I don't have an entourage still. I'm, I'm, I'm normal. Um, but, or they would always find something negative to say like, oh, you could have ran better or, oh, this could have been done this way. And it was like very critical all the time. It was never like you did so good in this part or you did so good here. It was always something so critical. So I did lose a lot of friends and I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm okay yeah. with that. But I gained so many more amazing ones and I, I'm, I'm happy like you will like as you grow and as you become the person that you're going to be as like you're going to be in life you will you will shed friends you're going to be like a snake you're going to shed that skin and that's okay because you're going to get a new skin and get some new friends and those friends will last your lifetime like I have 
so many amazing people in my life who have been well, not only resources, but have been able to like connect me with certain people and just help me get through like my hard days. And it's tough. I was very like when everything started happening with the Black Lives Matter movement, for example, for example, and I was just looking, I would get on social media and I would look, I had to do a cleanse. I deleted all my social media for like a month because I couldn't handle it anymore. But I would look and I would see all the things that these people would say. And I was like, wow, like I'm your friend and I'm a person of color and I have a mm-hmm. disability and I'm a woman. And this is how you feel. So this is how you feel about me. At first, I would, I would, I would be like, you know what? I'm going to say something and I would say something and it would just be a pointless battle. And then at one yeah. point I was tired. I was tired of battling. I was like, you know what? It's okay. So instead of being loud about it and be like, I'm not your friend anymore. I just simply easily just removed them from my life. And I was okay yeah. with that. It was hard because there were some people that I was really close with and I was, I was like, oh, this sucks. But in hindsight, when I look back, it's like, you know what? I don't think they really cared about me that much because if they did, they would think like, oh, this is hurtful to this community into this one person that I care about and I didn't and that's okay yeah it's it sucks it's a it's a situation that sucks both ways but then at the same time it's you're you're cleansing like you said I mean for me I had to um, I had that exact same moment where uh, it was literally a friend that was about to get married and I was gonna go to their wedding and uh, when the movement started and I, I grew up, like I said, uh, North, grew up in Chicago, um, went to high school in the Northwest suburbs, which is, I'm a hundred percent Puerto Rican. Um, and the area I lived in was like a hundred percent white to be completely honest. And they, the, the person that was getting married, um, put some stuff out there and I, I just, I looked at my girlfriend and I was like, yeah, I'm we're not going to this. And I, instead of just saying anything, like I had never, I hadn't RSVP'd anyways, but um, instead of saying anything, I just simply deleted, cleansed. And while it sucked, it did suck. It's just something that right now I'm, I feel completely at peace with. And I feel like if you, if anybody out there is struggling with that, just know that the peace does come because once you realize like, damn, they actually never reached out after I did that or they never, they, they didn't, they don't care. So, um, that's, that's something that everyone struggles with. And I love that you have that mentality to kind of cleanse and keep going. Yep. So you mentioned earlier, you had to change your major. Uh, you said, uh, you had problems with OCHEM. I'm guessing that's organic chemistry. Okay, so uh, you went from pre-med to social work, which isn't, from an outside perspective, um, as somebody who has a business degree, it doesn't seem like something that you can just switch over to and have a seamless transition. Where did that, where did that come from? Where did that inspiration come from? Um, So I really wanted to... um... I wanted to help people. That was my main goal of like being pre-med. I wanted to be a doctor, a pediatrician, and I wanted to help people. Um, but then I was like, mm, this is maybe not be for me. This is, this is too much. Um, 
social work. I was like, oh, social work sounds like something else. So I went and talked to my advisors, and they were like, okay, here are your options, and these are the classes that you've taken, and here this is the route that you can take. And I was like, okay, I have a couple of options. So I took, um, I didn't want to major in bio. Oh, my gosh, or chemistry. So I already taken the classes, <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to do with that? I don't think I'm going to be happy. And I wanted to choose something that I would be happy with. And so I chose social work. And I was like, cool. And I started taking my classes and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I was like, okay, this is, this is where I need to be. Because before I was crying every day, I was sitting in study hall, my chemistry book stained with my tears. And it's just, it wasn't a good time. So when I got to social work, it was just such a happy environment. Everyone was so happy. No one was stressed out. Social work majors are really nice. And I was like, okay, this is where I belong because everyone was cranky and looked like they were sleep deprived over in the pre-med department. So I'm in the right place now. I love that. So you wanted to help someone or you wanted to help people. And it's something that I asked you about earlier. So you did some work with the Boys and Girls Club. Do you want to kind of explain as to that that story and what impact that's left for you with um i love the boys and girls club I, if i could go back and work there now i would um it was an absolute great experience it made some amazing friends first and foremost and then the kids oh my gosh i still love my kids i remember all of their names it was a great experience i worked there i was a i was a part-time employee and i was a program leader so i led after school programs in this specific Boys and Girls Club was for troubled kids. So I was like, okay, cool. A challenge. I like a challenge. And when I finally met the kids, after doing all the interview process and hearing about them, I was like, okay, I'm nervous and I'm a little scared. After I met the kids and got my, I like had to like train for like two weeks. And I was like, oh my God, these kids are like, at first I was scared. Cause like the first thing I was like, oh, they're being too nice. So there's something going to go on. The second week they showed their true colors. And I was like, okay, bingo. And then once I was there for like a month and I had my own kids and my own group, they were so awesome. They were so smart. <laughs> they were so funny. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yes, I called them my kids. They were like my babies at that moment. It was like, yes, I, I, I am your protector and your person who's looking over you for now until your parents come get you. And I loved it. It was so much fun. I got to do Lego club. I was in charge of that and garden club and yeah, the athletic club. It was like, we've had, I've had some good times there and I love giving back because the youth is so important. They are so incredibly important. They are future presidents. They are future um, governors. They are future doctors, lawyers. And I'm like, oh, we need to uplift them as much as possible. And that was like my model. Like, I had a, I had a bulletin board that I would decorate and I would always say, give me your rose, give me your thorn of your day. So give me the good thing about your day. Give me the bad thing about your day and how we can make it better. I would always ask them that and they would always have a, a rose and sometimes they wouldn't have a thorn or they would only have a thorn. I'm like, okay, cool. But I think it's so important to uplift their youth because again, they're a future and they need to know that they are important and their voices are heard. And we understand because they're growing up in a different time. I'm jealous of like Gen Z. When I was growing up, like mental health and everything was an understanding and listening and all of that, that was not like a thing. (laughs) So I look at my sister, my younger sister, who is Gen Z, and she's like, yeah, mom and dad and me talked about how I was feeling. And I'm like, they care about how you feel? When I was a teenager, (laughs) they didn't didn't care. I mean, they cared, but they're like your kid. Get over it. And now it's like, oh, we had a conversation about how I was feeling and what I'm going through and how to move forward. I'm like, 
what? <laughs> so <laughs> I I think it's great. So Gen Z is an awesome. So the kids are great. Um, I had like 25 kids to myself. I had first through third grade. And those are, those are fun ages because they're just like, they're mini adults. They're like little people. It's so cool yeah. to kind of like see them grow. And yeah, Boys and Girls Club is something that I will forever like cherish. And whenever I, whenever I have the chance, I always go and visit and see my friends, see my kids and just kind of like, let them know, like, I didn't forget about them. Like, that was the biggest thing. When I first started working there, I would, I couldn't remember their names. There was, like, there's 200 kids a day. And I'm like, I can't yeah. remember all these kids' names. And then I finally realized that they want to remember their names so they know that they're important. And I was like, right. oh, okay. And I memorized every, every single kid's name from the first, from kindergarten all the way up to the eighth grade. I knew every single kid's name. So I could greet them in the hallway or I could say hi to them. So when I went to pick them up, it's like, hi. And I knew, like, knew everyone. It was great. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I had, I think it was my sophomore in between my junior, yeah, in between my sophomore and junior year of college, I needed a summer job and I decided not to do an internship that, that summer. And I started looking around for stuff and I saw that the Boys and Girls Club needed, uh, on the south side of Milwaukee, needed a baseball coach, baseball and softball coach. And I was like, oh, let me check this out. So went, interviewed, got the job for an entire summer and I had never done anything like that. And I was like, Oh, this should be fun. Um, I've always wanted a coach should be really cool. And I didn't know that I was going to be, I, I coached anybody or kids as small as first graders and as big as high schoolers, uh, freshmen in high school. And as I'm, I'm doing this, I didn't realize some of these kids, like they didn't have, a parental figure that showed how showed them how to throw a baseball and Absolutely. showed them how to shoot a basketball because all of a sudden uh, unfortunately somebody had quit so I was running the gym as well so like I was the fun I was a fun guy and I was also the the guy like showing them like hey like this is how you throw a softball this is how you throw a baseball and it was to this day like honestly one of the most fulfilling experiences and while they all know um they pulled they pulled my strings a few times but they knew they know damn well that like i if they need anything i'm there for them and they're like now just seeing i was playing basketball um i think it was yeah last uh last fall i was playing basketball and i'm like playing basketball and i just pick up at a park nearby and I see this kid and it was one of the kids that I had had taught baseball and I'm talking with him and he's like, Oh yeah, I'm playing football now at this university school and this, the school like you have to place into for athletics and, and, um, and grades and everything and academics. And he was a bad student. I was like, what changed? And he was like, honestly, like you kind of kicked me in the butt a little bit. And then I had some other in, outside influences. And I was like, I had a smile on my face the rest of the day. I'm like, damn, I must, I could have changed that kid's life. And I didn't even know what I was doing. I was a soft, a sophomore about to be a junior in, in college, like just messing around essentially. Absolutely. And it's, I think those experiences, like the Boys and Girls Club is very, very valuable. And yeah. uh, like you, I think a lot of people take for granted their time and then look back at it and they're like, oh, damn, I should have did more. Or that was so cool. And I wish I, I would have spent more time. And it's 
anybody listening, if you have the chance, to volunteer or do anything there because the, the kids really, really enjoy your, their selves with you. Absolutely, well, 100% agree. So really, honestly, uh, I really want to talk about, to kind of conclude this, what's next for you? Obviously, COVID's put a massive hamper on your 2020, um, but like you said, you have a few months left and gearing up for 2021. What's what's next for you? Um, so Personally and next- professionally. Yeah, okay, cool. Personally, <laughs> so personally, I think, I want to continue to grow as a person. Uh, There's always room to improve. And I've realized that there's some things I could work on. After being home for the summer and not really training and kind of just being a person and just relaxing, I kind of realized, like, yeah, there's a few things I can work on and here and there. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. But my biggest thing is, I just want to continue to be me, be more vocal, speak out, and continue to just talk. Talk about things people don't – I like to talk about things that make people uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that. If you're uncomfortable, that means you need to talk about it. <laughs> so oh, that's yeah. something personal that I want to do more, is just continue to just continue to share my story and let people know that I'm here. If you DM me on Instagram, um, nine times out of ten, I'm going to reply back, probably within 24 hours because – I know what it's like to be in a hole and looking for someone and reach out to that one last person and you're like, if they don't reply back, then my life doesn't matter. So I'm always yeah. replying back. And then professionally, 2021, I'm excited. Um, Tokyo's going to be the best one yet, games-wise, and that's my goal. And I'm not going to anything get in the way of that. Um, training started back up. I'm back in Chula Vista. I live at the Olympic Training Center full-time and yeah, trainings, we just start, we hit, hit the ground running. I've been training for about a week now, and I'm ready to be resilient. I'm ready to get, get it done in a, in a beautiful fashion. It may be, there might be some ugly parts, but I want to get it done and be able to look back in 2021 and be like, dang, look where I was, look where I started and look where I am, and just continue just to live. I don't want to that's what I've learned about COVID as well. With COVID and after having COVID, I have to live. I can't just be like, oh, I can't do this because I shouldn't. No, I'm going to go do it. It's okay. I'm going to go have a beer or a burger and treat myself. Yes, I'm training for the games, but I'm not I'm not a superhuman. I'm a, I'm a human. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to be a person. And I think that's what I had to find out through 2021, 2020, is that I'm a person too. I'm not just an athlete. I can't keep saying, well, I, hi, I'm Daisy Young. I'm an athlete. No, I'm, I'm just Daisy Young. I'm, yes, I'm an athlete, but that's just not who I, like, that's not the only thing about me. Like, I do other things on the side. I do other things that make me a person. Like, I have feelings too. Like, I'm a human. I'm not a robot. So, yeah, that's what I have in store. I love that. I cannot wait to see what's next for you, both personally and professionally. And really excited for 2021 with Tokyo. Um, And just seeing how, I mean, I've seen how resilient you are, but how much more you will be in in the near future. So I'm very, very excited for that. Um, A couple more questions before we close this out, actually. One's the big one. So Mm -hmm. when it's all said and done, what impact do you want to leave on the world? I want the impact that I want to leave on the world is that 
there's a light at the end of every tunnel. There will always be a light. And sometimes that light that you're looking for is inside of you. And I want people to know that when you fall, you can stay down, but you have to get back up. And that anything is possible. And the only person stopping you from achieving whatever you want to achieve is you. No one's in charge of your success but yourself. You may think that, and you may think, oh, well, there's uppers and there's people above me. No. Sometimes I do things that the uppers don't like. I'm like, okay, Anne, this is, my, this is my success. This is my journey. This is my road. I'm doing it the way I want to do it. But I want the world to know and leave that impact of, you're like, I want people to know that. I believe that everyone is their own light. Sometimes it's hard to see, but you are your own light. Through those, through those hard times, yes, you need a flashlight or you need to see the light in the tunnel. But in the day, you're your own light and you can get through it because anything is possible. I absolutely adore that. That's amazing. I have been writing down quotes from you this entire time, <laughs> just to let you know. Like, you're a very quotable individual. Um, Thank you. So, where can people find you? You mentioned your Instagram. Where, where can people find you? Where can people uh, follow your journey? Um, so, I post a lot on Instagram, and it's underscore D E J Y O U. And then you could also follow my Twitter, which I don't tweet very much, but I retweet a lot of cool information <laughs> so it's underscore yes. d-e-j-a-r-a-e um those are the two platforms i use the most um i usually post training videos or a day in life on my instagram just to follow along the day and like what i do at the center just to give people like a little insight of like oh what do athletes do who live at the training center if you want to know it, it, it's a little underwhelming but if you want to know i usually post it on my instagram and if you ever need anything, I'm all, my, my DMs are always open. I am always open to conversations. And just know life is, makes, is as easy as you make it. It doesn't have to be so complicated. It could be so simple. People want to be like, oh, life is so hard. It's not that hard because you just have to live. It don't, don't exist. Live. Live in the moment. Have fun. If your friends text you and say, hey, do you want to go out tonight? Or, hey, do you want to do something? Or if you want to plan something or a fundraiser or anything, just do it. Why not? And it's okay to fail because, again, we're all human. We're all going to fail, but those failures make us into the person we are today. And I bet every single one of you who are listening are amazing. And don't forget that. Another quote. I appreciate (laughs) you, Deja. Thank you for jumping on the Strange on Purpose podcast. And we have to do this again very, very soon. Yes. Thank you.